You're listening to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Haley Schaff, and my goal is to empower you to become the alpha of your health. All right, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I am answering some listener questions that are coming from my social media. So just to get right back into it, how to help combat family genetic and issues. So genetics really only are a small portion to the puzzle of health. We think we rely so much on genetics and family history is a huge thing that comes up at most conventional appointments. And it is, it is helpful to know family history, but just because there is a history of something or you're belt, you're dealt a bad card or you're dealt an unlikely hand that doesn't mean that that's your destiny. So genetics are a portion of the puzzle. Genetics, there's a saying that says genetics load the gun, but your lifestyle is what pulls the trigger. And that really is true because your genes can change how they're expressed. And that's called epigenetics. The essentially the way that your genes can be expressed based on your lifestyle, your nutrition, your stress, your environment, all can play an impact into how your genes are expressed. So say you have a huge family history of cancer or heart disease or obesity or whatever it is, whatever the chronic condition is, you might have to do a little bit more work to change how those genes are expressed, but you ultimately are in the driver's seat. So essentially on how to combat bad family genetics is pretty much everything that we talk about on the podcast, limiting environmental toxins, really handling your mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, really getting that stress and environment in a good place, because that's a huge way that genes can be expressed. I mean, look at so many things come up because of a stress or chronic stress. A lot of, a lot of diseases can be triggered by that because it's changing how genes are expressed. Trying to eat is whole food, looking at your plate and seeing, okay, how much of this is whole food? How much of this is processed, packaged, crappy oils? I mean, being able to just even just switch to majority whole foods, most of your food coming from the fridge, minimal amount coming from a package or the pantry is a really huge place to start, especially in terms of building your plate, right? Then obviously looking at things that are in your personal care products and pretty much everything that we've talked about on this podcast is going to be really, really helpful for switching those. I've gotten so many different testimonials from people saying, I've been struggling with XYZ, I've been implementing these things, and I've noticed such a huge change just from the free information that is here in the podcast, which is really, really cool. And I think empowering because no matter what hand you were dealt, you ultimately have the power to change it. And I think that that's the most empowering thing. Sometimes it doesn't feel that way, or sometimes it feels like it might be an uphill battle, but you really, you really do have, have that power. Second question is, could a hydrofacial help hormonal acne? So I love a good facial. I love my skincare, but hydrofacials aren't fixing the root cause of hormonal acne. Hormonal acne is probably due to an imbalance of gut microbiome. It could be due to stress. It could be due to high testosterone, high estrogen, um, imbalance of estrogen and progesterone. So you really do want to find what, where that imbalance is coming from first, but could a tool like hydrofacials help in the healing process as you are doing the healing internally? Absolutely. I usually do a hydrofacial every four to anywhere from four to eight weeks. It depends, but 
one, it's just a way that I really like to treat myself. I don't really go and get my nails done that much. I don't really go and get my hair done that much. So to me, a facial is something that I really like to treat myself with. I know that it's not the main staple in my skin healing journey, more so um, what I'm doing with my skincare on a daily basis, the internal work, doing any testing that might be necessary, really focusing on dietary or environmental triggers. Those are obviously the most important, but being able to use a hydrofacial to help clear out the pores, bring down inflammation can definitely help a lot. But again, it's not root cause, but it definitely can be a helpful piece to the puzzle. This question is gastritis treatment. Okay. So we have to think of, again, root cause. What is gastritis? Anything that ends in itis means inflammation. So gastro is your stomach. Itis is inflammation. So it's stomach inflammation. Okay. What's causing the stomach inflammation? Maybe that's a question that you're asking yourself, but that's, that would be the question that I would address first is what is causing this inflammation in the first place? Is it food that I'm eating? Is it stress? I mean, gastritis and ulcers almost always are caused by stress. Um, I see that a lot with, um, I know that like when my grandparents were sick, like my dad just all of a sudden got an ulcer and it's like, okay, well that definitely makes sense for how the amount of stress that you're under stress definitely creates inflammation. So we have to look first at where some of this inflammation might be coming from. But in terms of dealing with inflammation, you obviously want to deal with the triggers that are causing the inflammation in the first place, but then be able to do a lot of healing and anti-inflammatory things. So ginger is very anti-inflammatory, turmeric, aloe vera juice, really, really great for the whole GI system. Aloe is very, very cleansing and anti-inflammatory and maybe working on the health of your microbiome and being able to know if there are specific foods or triggers for you that might want to be eliminated. Uh, next question is what began your passion for health and fitness? So I have, that's a good question. I've really always been into sports ever since I was a little kid. I've really been active. I really loved playing sports. And I'd say in my early high school years, I'd say probably middle school and high school is when I started actually working out because I really saw how much I could get better at the sports that I'm doing when I'm working out. And because of that, when I started working out, I wanted to be eating better and making sure that I could recover and making sure that I stayed healthy so that I could play the sports that I wanted. And over time, that definitely evolved to really, really being into the foods that I'm eating along with being strong and being athletic. And I'd say, yeah, that probably started as early as middle school when I started really working out. I, I talked about this a little bit on the podcast that I did with my brother and Nick a few weeks ago. You know, we, our dad was a really great role model for us in terms of being active and working out. And I mean, both of our parents were, but like my dad more so was someone that I would go downstairs and watch him work out. And I just thought it was so cool, like how you could be strong and how he was just really a good role model that I could also get strong just because I was a girl and I was really thin growing up. Like it was just really hard for me to put on weight. So when I, it took me, I had to, I could barely even just pick up the bar, let alone be able to do stuff with it. So that was really cool to start at a young age and really see my body be able to transform, have, have muscles and how that was helping me get better at my sports and okay, if I ate better then I was, was also, you know, becoming a little bit better. And I, I my journey definitely has evolved so far. Cause even a few years ago, 
uh, I'd say like five to 10 years ago, I still was consuming products that I would never touch ever now because, and by products, I mean like whey protein powders with artificial flavoring, pre-workouts. Like those were things that I had probably 10 years ago, eight to 10 years ago that I would never have now. So I was still on a health and wellness journey, but as with any journey, it's going to evolve along the way. You're going to learn, you're going to adapt, you're going to evolve. So uh, next question, how do you feel about Olipop drinks? I really like them. I think that more people need to look at them as a treat and not something necessarily that you need to have every day. Now, if you have a soda addiction, or as you say, when you're west of Buffalo and over, you say pop, I guess, um, I say soda, but if you like, it's a great swap to something like soda. And I, I think it's good. I mean, I have no problem with the fibers that are in there. I mean, all the ingredients are good. They're very transparent about their flavors. I, I think it's a great product. I don't need to drink one every day because I mainly just drink water and tea, but it's a great treat. Say we're watching a football game, say we're watching a movie. Okay. I want to have an alley pop. Cause I look at it as like a fun treat for myself. Just how ideally you sh- people should have thought about soda, but that obviously can become a daily thing. So if you're trying to kick a soda habit, I'm not opposed to having it in place of that if, if you feel like you need it. But I just think in a healthy lifestyle, it should fit somewhere in kind of that moderation piece. But I, I, I think it's great. I think it's a great product. They do a great job with ingredients and... Yeah, I I really am a huge fan of Olipop. We also just found Spindrift. That's a really great seltzer water that we have been really liking. And I usually don't like seltzer water, but it's so good. I really like it. There's no natural flavor. It's just 100% juice with seltzer. And I've been really enjoying that. We found this tea, but I don't like it because it's sweetened with stevia. And I don't like sweet tea. If I'm going to drink tea, it's going to be bitter. I've seen, um, I've seen that shared on a lot of like health accounts that I follow. And I think if you like sweet tea, that would be a good one, but we are, we are definitely like a Spindrift or Olipop household. If we're going to kind of have like a fun carbonated beverage, we also really like the kombucha, kombucha spritzers from Wegmans. It's nice because it's less sugar than typical kombucha would be. Um, and it's a little bit more carbonated and it's a cute little can. It's cute. We like it, but I mean, with even carbonated drinks I try to make them like a a fun thing that I'm gonna do kind of like a treat myself type thing uh next question castor oil packs while pregnant absolutely not um if you if you were wearing it before you found out that you were pregnant it's not the end of the world but I would definitely not be wearing it once you know that you're pregnant and the main reason for that is castor oil can cause uterine contractions, which is great in late stage pregnancy when you actually are looking to go into labor and deliver, but not great when you are newly pregnant. So, um, again, not a huge deal if, you know, for some reason you were wearing it and you found out, Oh shoot, I'm pregnant. And I have been wearing castor oil packs. Please don't panic. It's not a big deal. It's, it's not as big of a deal in terms of that very early on stage, but once you know you're pregnant, just a good idea to just limit it because, and not do it please, because, of the uterine contraction, but like I said, not a huge deal. If you want to be extra cautious, if you're looking to conceive, just probably don't wear it. And if, if you're going to be actively conceiving, 
struggling with chronic insomnia for six years, only 26 years old. What can help? Okay. So insomnia can definitely be a cortisol dysregulation. So I would go back and listen to the circadian rhythm episode that I did a few episodes back, because that's going to really dive into how you can optimize your circadian rhythm, produce melatonin at the appropriate, at the appropriate times. I also would look into things like L-theanine, tartary juice, and magnesium. Uh, in terms of like a nighttime routine because they're very calming and they can really help bring that down that cortisol. Epsom salt baths are also amazing and definitely looking at making sure you're limiting caffeine during the day. This was something that I, I was struggling or I was working with someone and she had horrible, um, she had horrible insomnia post COVID and we couldn't really kind of figure out why we just, her nervous system was just so sensitive. She was, so we just stopped caffeine and coffee completely. And we got her doing Epsom salt baths. We got her on some good nighttime magnesium, got her meditating. And she was sleeping for the first time in months just by doing those really, really simple things. Now, some cases are a little bit more in depth or there's more that goes into it, but really look at caffeine intake, add in some good quality magnesium. Like I said, tart cherry juice is great. Leafy has a really great tart cherry juice tincture that I love that I will make sure I make a note of to put in the show notes. It's a tart cherry tincture that you can take before bed. It's also really great for joints and muscle health as well. But uh, you can also add in some like chamomile tea, do some meditation. Yoga Nidra is very, very beneficial for nighttime just to help you kind of get in that dream state, the deep REM sleep can be very beneficial with that, but there's always a root cause for insomnia. And a lot of times it is nervous system dysregulation. Okay. Next question. Homemade bone broth is not gelatinous. Is it still worth drinking? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some, depending on what bones you use, it might get more gelatinous than others. So if you aren't adding things that really have a lot of joints on it, uh, you know, um, like a full chicken or chicken feet or chicken neck, something that's got a lot of that cartilage and joints, it's not probably going to get super gelatinous. Like if you're just adding really lean bones, it's, it's, it's just going to be that bone broth without that gelatin. And that's fine. If you are looking for that gelatin, you might want to add something like chicken's feet, chicken necks, um, or just more cartilage and joints more of the actual joints to the, to the broth itself. Next question, root causes of fatigue. Oh my gosh. Um, so I see fatigue is a mitochondrial issue. So even adrenal fatigue is really a mitochondrial issue. So remember from science in fifth grade, mitochondria is the powerhouse of your cell. Mitochondrial health is essentially the energy that we have. Your mitochondria is damaged from chronic stress, from blue light, from toxic exposure, from pretty much modern day life, uh, destroys our mitochondria, constant social media, you know, not being intentional, not ever getting sunlight. All of those things are horrible. And then you just throw in a crappy standard American diet, which hopefully none of us are doing. Alcohol is also horrible for it. Um, but your mitochondria, are essential to your energy. So they require things like B vitamins. B vitamins are great for people who are struggling with fatigue. You can get B vitamins from meats. You can get B vitamins from especially organs. That's why I take like a desiccated liver. It's a really, really great source of bioavailable B vitamins that you can use. That's why people start noticing more energy from adding more organs and nose to tail into their diet. And if you don't want to eat it, like I said, you could take it in a desiccated form. That's not a problem. 
Making sure you're supporting your adrenals with other things like vitamin C is very great for your adrenals, potassium, minerals, making sure you're salting your food. Adrenal cocktails are a big thing right now. So it's coconut water, a little bit of uh, organic orange juice. Please do not use the Simply brand. They are in a huge lawsuit right now for containing PFAS in their orange juice. So try to get organic and, or even make your own. That's awesome. Um, so that's really, really great for your adrenals. Red light therapy is amazing for adrenals, making sure you again are on a really good circadian clock, going to bed at a decent time, not eating too close to bed, not messing up your adrenals with a crazy eating schedule or crazy fasting window, making sure you're not overdoing it with intense activity. Make sure you're making sure your activity is fitting your lifestyle and your energy. All of those are really important. Next question is, how do you feel about Armour Thyroid? So Armour Thyroid, for people who might not know, is essentially a desiccated thyroid. It's a thyroid extract or thyroid gland that's been dried and is now used for like a medicinal use. Usually it's used to treat hypothyroidism and is, according to Wikipedia, less preferred than levothyroxine. But a lot of people in the health space are leaning more towards desiccated thyroid or armor thyroid because it's really all of the natural thyroid hormone from an animal, usually bovine, um, or pig. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm totally fine with it, especially if it works for you and you've tried it and you enjoy it. You like how you're feeling. Um, I mean, in theory, it's very similar to kind of taking desiccated supplements. I mean, this is different because it's containing the actual hormone and not just the nutrients. Um, I did read something that even the companies that own Armour Thyroid are the same pharmaceutical companies. This is alleged. This isn't fact. I didn't fact check this, but apparently they own all the other companies too. So I don't, I don't know how, how I feel about that. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think if you do well with it, it really depends on where, where you're struggling in terms of like your conversion of thyroid hormones. But yeah, I'm, I'm totally fine with it. I know a lot of people take it and they, they like it better, but it definitely comes down to personal preference. Next question is the best affordable thermometer for fertility tracking. I had a wink and it broke. I mean, you can literally use any thermometer from the drugstore, any thermometer. I mean, and then you can plug that into virtually any app too, which is really cool. And I mean, if I were to just Google a, th- a thermometer, they're like $19. So you can't beat that. Um, easy at home digital based thermometer from Amazon, $15.99. So, I mean, that's obviously the cheapest. And then if you're looking for something that may be synced with an app, it looks like the natural cycles thermometer is $8.33 a month or $9.99 a year. And you get the thermometer free, or you can pay monthly $12.99 a month. Um, and then you pay $14 for the thermometer. But I mean, I've had people literally just get a thermometer from the store and you can input that into many different fertility tracking apps and you can still see what your chart looks like and everything. It doesn't have to be an expensive thermometer personally. I mean, it's great. Everything is scalable. You can do it the old fashioned way and get the thermometer. You have to make sure you take it first thing in the morning. You can't get out of bed and go to the bathroom and take your temps because it's going to throw it off. So if you're going to do that, just make sure it's right at your bedside. You do it as soon as you wake up in the morning and then you take that temp and you input it into whatever app that you're using. So, I mean, in reality, it could be a $16 thermometer and that could be totally fine. I don't know which drugstore thermometer I guess is better than others, but 
that's, I mean, you definitely have options or you can do something like the natural cycles, which the natural cycles, like I said, if you did it yearly is nine ninety nine a year, super affordable, really when you break it down eight something a month, which is, I mean, a, a coffee and a half. Right. Um, and then I use a temp drop wearable. So that's not a thermometer. It's a wearable, which is just more conducive to me. I know that I would not be compliant to measuring my temperatures. So it takes it for me and I just make sure that I sync the app and we're good to go. Options on prenatal vitamins. So I think prenatal vitamins, I'm not opposed to them. I think in general, we can be getting a lot of our vitamins from food that we eat. And to be honest, a lot of what I use for prenatal is like the desiccated liver stuff. Um, This one person asked specifically about the Ritual brand. I'm just looking at it really quickly. And I mean, it looks okay because it looks like they use methylfolate, which is good. You always want to make sure you're using methylated B12, methylated folate, methyl, 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 because it's much more absorbable, especially if you do have an issue with the MTHFR, which I think they a decent percent of our population does, at least a quarter. So that's one in four people that can't absorb folic acid properly. So that's why doing methylfolate is so much better. I mean, from quick glance and what I've seen, because I've looked at this product before for a few other people, it looks okay. Um, I tend to recommend taking a desiccated beef organ supplement as a prenatal. And then alternatively, I really also like the Seeking Health prenatal a lot. I really like Dr. Ben Lynch. She's great. And I really like his products. Um, But I know people who have done the ritual one and they have used it before. But in theory, I mean, pretty much a beef organ complex or eating liver, um, even a little bit daily. I, I incorporate a little bit daily just by cutting it up into very, very small pieces, freezing it, and then keeping it in a glass container and it's raw. So use to your own discretion to make sure it's good quality. And then I just swallow it like a pill. It's super easy. And it's a really easy way for me to be able to get it in daily. Um, signs that hormones are balancing. This is a great question because this looks a little bit different for everybody, but some really good signs that you're making progress for your hormones. You are ovulating consistently. You are having consistent, regular menstrual cycles that come and go minimal pain, minimal bloating, minimal change, right? It's just kind of, you kind of notice subtle changes throughout the month, but it's not ground shattering changes, or it's not pain or fatigue that's completely taking you out of work in daily life. You're noticing clearer skin. You're noticing more energy. You're noticing good bowel movements. You're noticing good libido. It's a huge sign of health and vitality, especially for hormone health. So those are kind of symptoms that I would look at in terms of, okay, kind of daily or monthly checklist. How, how did these things go? Um, that's a great sign that your hormones are trending and progressing in the way that you want to have them. Next question is, can men use castor oil packs? I have not seen any information regarding the benefit of men's health. Absolutely. Men have liver issues just like women do, especially due to the toxic world we sometimes live in. So uh, my husband uses one. He doesn't use it as regularly as I do, but he does use it and he notices really huge benefits to his sleep. He just feels really relaxed. It's very easy for him to kind of calm down wearing it at night, but the same liver and digestion benefits that we get from it. Obviously we get a little bit more hormonal component of benefits with it as well, because our liver is processing so many hormones, or if you're wearing the pelvic pack, it's really great for ovary health, but, um, it's 
really still great for them to be able to produce glutathione, which is going to help detoxify. We see so many issues with fertility because of toxic burden that it's very important for men as well to make sure that they're decreasing their toxic burden and really helping to support their liver, making sure their digestion's working great. So that would, I mean, I think they should be wearing it as well. Kids can wear it too. The, the queen of thrones has a kid's pack as well, which is really great. I have so had so many people reach out to me and say that they love that their kids love it. They look forward to it at bedtime. So definitely a great option for the entire family. How to fix high testosterone in women. So I would definitely go listen to the episode that I did on spironolactone. Um, I talk all about in that episode, high testosterone because high testosterone is a driver for acne. And usually if you have high testosterone, that's why they put you on spironolactone. Usually that is due to a metabolic imbalance. So some type of issues with metabolic health. So I dive into it all in that podcast episode. I linked that in the show notes for you. So I would definitely go check that out. Ooh, this is a very deep and hard question. How to deal with a job that pay that's fine and pays the bills, um, but ways to cope of stress with it. Tough question. Um, in a perfect world, I really wish that everybody loved what they did. I think about that every day. I mean, there's definitely some days where I'm stressed, I'm overwhelmed, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm just so thankful that I love what I do. I get so excited to open my laptop every day or open my social media and like create content and share what I do for a living. Um, and obviously work with people, but on the contrary side, how to deal with a job that's, you know, that you don't necessarily love. I would make sure that you at least are doing things outside of your job that you love, have a hobby, do something for yourself, whether that's a workout, um, a meditation, a yoga class, a walk, make a health, like do something for yourself every day that you, you enjoy, whatever that is. Because if obviously you're not enjoying yourself at your job or it's taking a lot out of you, or it's very stressful, finding ways to incorporate de-stress and, um, healthy stress and coping modalities outside of work is going to be really beneficial. Obviously, I know there's only so much that you can do when you're at that job, but finding little hobbies and things that that you can do for yourself outside of work that are going to be fulfilling to you. And I know that's probably, again, easier said than done, but hopefully a little bit does go a long way and you can start to at least look for something, you know, start to look forward to something every day. If it's not something you're, you're obviously not looking forward to, you know, maybe going to work every day, maybe you look forward to a workout class or you look forward to, you know, getting on a yoga mat at the end of the day. And that's your kind of your time to shut off, always finding something to be able to look forward to. It could be a small thing. It could be a big thing, but finding and really scheduling and holding yourself accountable to something that, okay, I am really looking forward to this later. I'm looking forward to this. And with that, trying to also be as much in the present moment too, because it's great to look forward to things, but when we are constantly looking forward to things and never enjoying the present, it's very easy for life to just get away from us. So it's hard, I'm sure to probably look forward to anything at work, but try to find the little things that maybe you can enjoy about it. Maybe your coworkers or enjoying some quality time a break time or something like that. Try to find kind of the small things. And, And if you ever get to a point where what you're doing is no longer serving you, or it's really eating at your health. There's, there's other options out there that are at our fingertips. Um, some obviously, you know, for some people it's easier to get a new position than others, depending on what your what field you're in. But I really do think that life's too short to hate what you do. We were having this conversation with friends the other day and 
if you are really determined to get out of what you're doing and find a purpose in something else, if it's worth it to you, you'll be able to make it work. So I hope that that's somewhat helpful. Um, good question. I don't, I don't know if I've answered this before, but how do you feel about laser hair removal, armpit area, affect hormones or sweat glands? I really don't know how I feel about it personally there. I've been, I actually, this was asked in my membership, not maybe a few months ago. And I did find some, I did find some information on it that I was like, Ooh, yeah, I don't know if I'd feel comfortable with this. I, I personally don't think that I would ever do it. Um, because I just don't know how I feel about using heat to kill a sweat gland when those sweat glands or, um, hair follicles are what we need to perspire and release things. I mean, especially not in our armpits. Like I will just gladly shave my armpits. Not a problem, but I understand why people do it. It's very convenient. Um, but I, I really do question like what it's doing internally. So I, I, I don't, I'm not an expert on it. I know I, I looked up some research when someone in my membership asked that a few months ago. Um, are sauna blankets worth it? I think so. I mean, with sauna blankets, you just want to make sure you're getting a low tox or low EMF version. I know, um, in terms of the little portable units, I know this Therisage is good. And I also know that what's the other one? Therisage and high dose are both really good in terms of portable units that you can get at home. So that might be a good idea for you. If you don't want to invest in, you know, a, a, a large unit. I know that sunlight and two who I partner with, that's who we have our sauna with. Um, they have a solo unit. So it's kind of a mix between a portable unit and a blanket, but it's very low EMF. So you could always look into something like the solo unit, but I think that the solo units or anything like that, I think they can be just as effective. Um, you know, it's, it's a, other infrared sauna. I've done a sauna blanket before. There's a drip house here in Rochester and it's kind of just like sauna blankets, but I never asked them about what the EMF looks like. Cause there's so many cords. I can just feel like running through it. And then it's obviously plugged into a wall. So I would just be cautious about doing that. Like on a daily basis, I've done it twice in my life. I went with a friend and you know, that was fine for the times that we were doing it. Um, we both hated the fragrance that we could smell on the, on the clothes like the fragrance of the detergent, I should say. But I mean, otherwise, I mean, it's a fun, cool little experiment to go do with a friend, something fun to do. But um, in terms of like me getting in one of those every day, yeah, probably not. Not unless I could find one that's low EMF. That would be my non-negotiable, which a company should have that on their website or you should be able to ask their customer service about that. And if you can't, I would move on to one that you know is better. Pregnancy constipation. Oh, this is very common. I see this in so many of my pregnant pregnant clients right now. Um, magnesium citrate is going to be great, as is aloe vera juice. Um, I also love soaking chia seeds in water for about 30 to 60 minutes and then slowly drinking that with your water throughout the day. But your increase, be, the progesterone can be a very constipating hormone, which is frustrating because progesterone just continues to rise throughout pregnancy. So really, really working on... Um, obviously belly breathing, vagus nerve activities, and then making sure you're getting in good sources of fiber. Um, raw carrot salads are great. Chia seeds and water is a really good way to make things moving, making sure you're not getting dehydrated, especially later on in pregnancy when we can have some edema or some fluid retention, just making sure we're constantly staying hydrated is really important. And hydrated means water with minerals, not just water. 
Last question is eight months into gut healing and I can't do protein powder, whey, plants, none of it. That's a, that's interesting. I, I know who wrote this, so I'm probably actually going to talk to her, um, about some things that we can do because, um, you know, whey is definitely probably out of the picture for people who are more sensitive, but curious, um, curious if collagen peptides would work because collagen peptides generally are, are very easy on the digestive system, if anything, really helpful for gut health. So if you know you can't do a clean plant, if you, you know you can't do a whey, I would say do a collagen peptide. It's not a complete protein, but it's going to be better than nothing. So I would I would start there, um, but then... Yeah, I would I would start there and report back and see what see what you find because that generally should be a better option. So, alrighty, well, thank you so much for submitting your questions, and I will hopefully do another one of these. I like doing one of these every month, every four to six weeks. So, hopefully, you found it helpful, and thanks so much for listening.